Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On tonight's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything that happens across the Division I college tennis world. Of course, here on Wednesday nights, we break down all the Division I men's action. But much like we said last night in breaking down the women's results with John J. Parsons, look, we're about a month away. From the start of the NCAA tournament, every result from here on in has tournament implications. Every dual match matters as such as expected. We have a jam packed show for all of you listeners tonight, and we are happy to be back live here on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. We've had to do a couple of pre-recorded episodes of late. We also do apologize for the fact that we had to push tonight's episode back an hour. Nevertheless, we are here to break down everything that's happened across the past week in the Division One men's college tennis world. And joining me on tonight's show to break it all down as he does each and and every week is a man you know best as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. A man with the dare to be a dirt bike extraordinaire. That said, don't confuse him for a car mechanic. It's the lean, mean, vegan machine. The professor, Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, Great shot. Welcome back to the show. We're live here tonight. You feeling good, my friend? I'm feeling great that I'm here. Not so great based on the intro. I take full responsibility, folks, and apologize for the hour delay. Returned home from vacation. Thought the IT guy would be car mechanic and change the brakes, not knowing that when you have an electronic parking brake system, it's a little trickier. Blew it up. Now I have a brick in the garage. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's going to be a fun a couple days ahead trying to figure out what I'm doing about that. But I mean, I'm here and we get to talk college tennis. So I'll tell you this. The website's functioning beautifully. And we'll give a shout out, <laughs> yeah. as always. Appreciate everything you do at collegetennisranks.com. I was tweeting out earlier. There are 15 players right now in the live rankings in the ATP top 100 in singles. And it's much easier to find out which players have college tennis ties by using your website. I know one of our writers here at Cracked Rackets is planning to write a piece looking back at how many players with collegiate ties have been in the top 100, you know, a decade ago, two decades ago, how that compares to now. And, you know, he was asking me, do I know of any sources? And sadly, I had to say, no, I don't know of any sources because uh, there was no college tennis ranks in 2005. Chris was too lazy back then to be doing what he does now. And so, uh, again, people who aren't check out collegetennisranks.com. Check out everything Chris does. He makes our lives as college tennis fans so much easier. That said, I want to ask you what I asked Jay to start last night's show. Has it dawned upon you, Chris, that we're a month away from May, that we are now legitimately closer to the finish line than we are to the starting point of this 2023 spring season? Has that dawned on you yet? Because I was watching some matches this past weekend and there was some urgency and there was some disappointment and there was some enthusiasm and I just felt it a little more. Maybe I'm projecting, but are you feeling it? Oh, I'm definitely feeling it because I started, you know, as I was, as I was returning from, from vacation, I started looking at some, you know, some of the results and things that have gone on over the last week. And more importantly, I started looking at some of these schools (laughs) and checking their schedule as to what they had remaining. And I was like, they've only got two matches left. What are you, how is this possible? But, uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, some schools have only a couple matches left before they hit, say, their uh, their conference tournaments. And uh, I was just I I was baffled by I was like, wow, we're that far into the season that there are, we now have teams that are, you know, that have only a couple matches left. You know, uh, it's it's I, I couldn't even believe it. Well, obviously listening to and uh you know and and you know if you're the if you're the person that doesn't like to hear people watching tv when they drive you can shut your ears right now but and watching the end of the liberty match against old dominion today on my drive back and i pulled up after the match was over i said oh let me go check out the schedule and i saw liberty's got two matches left before conference tournament and 
you know, and and I think the SEC's probably got two weekends left, maybe before conference tournament. It is like we're well past the halfway point of the season. I mean, we've got you know we're eighty percent of the way through, and it's yeah, it's hard to believe that we're almost there. It's hilarious that you went through your process of checking schedules, and that's when the realization dawned upon you because verbatim, and you'll never hear it because you watch matches, not listen to Crack Rackets podcasts on the road. It's literally what Jay and I said last night is that you were, I was scrolling a schedule and it got to the point where not only could I see the matches remaining, but I was like, oh, conference tournament, April 16th to the 18th. Thanks for having that on there too as well. And that's when you know you're like, all right, we've reached the home stretch. And that's why today I want to focus not just on the headline results. Of course, last week we missed Texas TCU. That's where we're going to start our show. We're going to catch up on all of that. We had a lot of top 10 battles, a few conference upsets. Things are getting messy in both the SEC and the ACC. I want to spend some time there. I want to talk about a massive weekend for the Big 12 in terms of its NCAA tournament prospects. Go through all the other highlighted results. Talk about our latest rankings, where things stand in the top 16 hunt. Of course, look at a jam-packed week ahead and to come full circle here. Why do we talk about nearing the ending of this 2023 college tennis season? Every weekend matters. You don't want to miss out from here. You can catch our SEC broadcast every Friday on ESPN and SEC Network Plus. ACC Friday, Sunday on ESPN and ACC Network Plus. We've got Big Ten Sundays on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel as well. So we're so excited to highlight the rest of this season. Make sure, college tennis fans, you're tuning in as you don't want to miss out on any of the action. Of course, you came here today to catch up on the things you might have missed. So let's get into everything. Of course, the last thing before we do is we got to give a shout out to all of you fans who tuned in day in day out week in week out make covering college tennis such an experience for us here at uh, at crack racket shout out to you fans players coaches who tolerate our nonsense also a massive shout out to our friends at ls i mean you're seeing a little more of my torso because we changed recording locations here at cracked rackets I look that much better when I'm decked out in this LS gear. I mean, again, if they can make these limbs look salvageable, imagine what they can do for you. You can learn about their expansive catalog by clicking on the link in the description to this episode. A massive shout out to our friends at LS for their support of the deciding point, not just this week, but each and every week of the 2023 season. With all of that said, Chris, let's get into it again. A Busy week in the Division I men's college tennis world. The place we obviously have to start is in Fort Worth, where we had a national indoor rematch of the championship. Texas traveling to Fort Worth in a non-conference match. They still implement that home-and-home system they're trying to play at least twice a year. Of course, when you're a top-10 team, a top-10 loss really has no negative effect on your ranking. And so for both of those teams to play one another twice, given particularly that they only have five conference matches, it's advantageous, it's convenient, it makes sense that this remains on the schedule for both both of these teams. And look, TCU entered the match undefeated, the prohibitive number one. I don't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago. I honestly think it was last week, but I'm hoping it was two weeks ago where we said they were on a tier of their own. Guess what? The number one undefeated national indoor championship winning team in the country, they get defeated, knocked off for the first time by Texas, who goes to Fort Worth. And Chris, they don't just win. They're in a 4-1 definitive victory over the Horn Frogs. Texas able to take a very tight doubles point. TCU's Gorsney and Vives remaining exceptional at the number three spot. Always helps to have a reigning junior Wimbledon doubles champion there. Another 6-4 win for TCU at three. Credit to P.Y. Bailey and C.M. Waldeep. It's a lot of firepower at that number two spot. They've slowly but surely worked their way into form 10-5 and five overall, but Look, they get a massive 6-3 win over Jong and JPJ, and then you get a top-10 battle at the number one spot. It comes down to a breaker. Again, I need a clinch to be done. I'll take Elliot Spaziri every day of the week. Spaziri, Harper, 7-6. They clinched the doubles point. Again, it wasn't just the doubles, though. You got to give credit to this Texas team that, you know, wins first sets on three courts and then split sets on two of the other courts as well. And look, JPJ did his thing, three and one over Micah Braswell. 
I think long-term for Texas, Braswell, who right now this season currently sitting at seven and eight overall in dual match play, he's still working his way back to health. And long-term, again, that's the piece where if he's at his best now, this Texas team's at an even other level. But look, it was the big guns who delivered for the Longhorns on this day. You get uh, a straight set victory from P.Y. Bailey, who's won his last three decisions. He is looking better with every passing match, five and two over Fomba. Then you get the revelation, Nevin Aramilli, who Coach Burke has talked about for three years now consecutively or two years now consecutively. Aramilli now seven and one at the number six spot, one and four over Tomas Jirasek. All right, we put three points on the board. If you're Texas, you know where number four is coming from. And as always, it's Elliot Spaziri delivering 6-2 in the third over Fernley. Spaziri right now 13-1 at the number one spot. He's the number one team player in the country. Texas looked like the number one team in the country, Chris. This is just a, a – I'm so angry with you. Let's just get it out of the way. How I let you talk me out of saying this is – that you know we've been saying they're a year away for two years now – this is why when they're healthy, this is what this group can do. Yeah, I mean, and I think it was to, you know, your question. I think it was the pre-recorded episode on, you know, on Monday of the Wednesday match last week that that we had said TCU was the, you know, kind of on a tier of their own. And then, uh, you know, because I was thinking about that as that match happened on on that night going, boy, called that one totally wrong and uh and now, now TCU doesn't look like they're on a tier of their own obviously anymore so so yeah no great match for for Texas uh I mean look they're they're rolling on all cylinders right now they're I back. think yeah Texas I think back I think that as you pointed out uh and and probably more just trying to get healthy more than anything else Micah Braswell is the only spot that you even really look at there and go Huh, I think that's a spot if you're going to beat them where you go, I think we got to win there. Uh, and then, but I mean, every, everywhere else, yeah, they're just, I mean, they're, CM is playing great uh, at four, which we said was going to be key for them this year. Obviously, Spazeri's the number one player in the country doing his thing. PY to go straight sets over Famba at, you know, at TCU. Yeah, the, the, things couldn't be going much better for them now, right? You know, it's a yeah. it's a good time good time to be uh to be in Austin there. Well, you know, fourteen and two is this team overall. They lost at Columbus. Everyone loses in Columbus. They and- lost to TCU in the national indoor final after beating Michigan and Ohio State on back to back days four three in the night session match at the indoors. That's the resume of a number one team in the country. And what's been so amazing about this Texas team, who, by the way, as we move on here, because it was a busy week in the Big 12. And, uh, you know, for Texas, not only do they get a big win uh, over TCU, but they also back things up on Friday, right, with their victory uh, over USC. And for Texas, they get a 4-1 win there. They take the doubles point. It's, you know, straight set wins from Waldeeb, from Harper, and then, Guess who? Elliot Spaziri with the clinch, 6-4 in the third over Stefan Dostanich from the set down. What's so fascinating about this Texas team, Chris, and this is where I want to wrap this discussion, and I'm curious if you think this is a burden, or more of a burden or a blessing moving forward. They play close matches. Like, you know Spaziri's a point on the board. You know one of Waldeep or Harper is going to win on any given day. So that's two, right? And Waldeep 10 and 3 on the year, Harper 11 and 5. One of those two is getting a win, so that's two. Where they find points three and four really is different every match. PY starting to play better. Obviously, Aramilli has turned into not just an option, but the option at the number six spot. And then again, like... If you're telling me a Braswell victory is a luxury, not a necessity for this Texas team, and he gets healthier over the next month, like they haven't been that great in doubles, 26 and 17 overall, Chris. What is this team's biggest? I mean, their biggest strength is Spaziri. So what's your biggest question mark with this team? Is it literally the health of Braswell? Is it the fact that they do play four, three matches against, you know, NC State and UCF? They're a whisker away from getting knocked off by Stanford as well. And what turned into a five, two match even here, like, yes, Waldeep's up a break on Jong. You know, uh, Gorsney was up in the third set on Harper. 
They're playing good matches on the other sets at USC. This team plays close matches, but it dates back to 2021. What it comes down to for me is they just have that winning DNA. And you saw that in the wins again, TCU on the road. And then to beat USC doubles in two straight set victories and singles, like it's a damn good win. Yeah, I don't uh, normally I would be, I think, concerned to your point about uh, teams that play a lot of close matches. So well, if you're going to play a lot of close matches, you get to the NCAA tournament and one of them is going to jump up and bite you and, you know, and you're going to get upset. But uh, I don't think that's the case here. I mean, there are, there are schools, I think, that play that probably play more close matches uh, that I would be more concerned about th- than Texas. I think for them that they're just – their close matches just come because it's just a different guy every time. And sure, it could jump up and bite them, but I don't think – it's not like it's going to jump up and bite them against – a team outside of the top eight. And that's where I think the teams that I would normally have that concern with are susceptible. They're susceptible to somebody getting them. Now, granted, NC State almost did it, and that's a team outside the top eight. But I I th- I just think they're they're rounding into form and they're getting there's they're just so solid right now that it's gonna be really tough for for that to happen with a team outside the top eight. I mean, it's gonna be tough. I don't know how you keep them out of the final site and at that point, I don't really consider anything an upset. It's, you know, all those teams can beat each other. Yeah, and I want to get back to the USC side of things, but let's move over to TCU, who, again, dropped that match at home, 4-1 to Texas. They bounce back, though. They get a uh, 7-0 win over uh, USC, excuse me, I believe, on Friday. And, I mean, look, it was a it was a strong bounce back. 6-4 wins at the one in three double spots, and then, you know, three straight set victories. Fumba. Jong, Gordesney all getting the job done pretty quickly. You had Fernley with the 4-0 win over Dostanich. The interesting thing to note, two lineup things. A, JPJ up to the number two spot in that USC match. They also go with Vivez at that number six spot. He goes three sets with Sam Rubel. So I still think for TCU, you have the question mark at six. I don't think any of Jirasek, Vivez, or uh, Max Dead have separated themselves thus far, but like, I bet if you're Coach Rodivi, right? If you get two, I don't know what's his drink of choice. I feel like I should know what his drink of choice is at this point in our relationship, and it's kind of indicative of my lack of drinking that I don't know his drink of choice. But let's just say you get three beers in Coach Rodivi. That'd be like a Dasecki or, or or yeah, yeah, or yeah sure. <laughs> you, you, get, you get you get three beers in him, like. He he would tell you this loss was the blessing, right? He'd be like, hey, it's always good for the guys to get a little reality check come come the start of postseason play. Yeah, well, I think so. And the other thing is, I think even if it wasn't this one, he would probably also tell you, look, we we have a home and home with Texas, which means we still have to play him in the conference match. And then if all things go according to plan, we're going to play them in the finals of the big 12 tournament. So that was already going to be three times after, you know, beyond the indoors match that they already played that they were going to have to play. And for them to think that they were going to come away from those four matches, four and Oh, that would have been a lofty goal. Uh, so, uh, you know, now are they still going to win the next two? Yeah, that's dead. Nobody's banking on that either, but yeah, I, I don't think he's, I don't obviously nobody wants to lose, but I don't think he's looking at it like uh, like that was a terrible thing. It was going to happen in all likelihood sooner or later here. And so uh, you'd rather not do it at home. You'd rather hold your home court and maybe drop the one on the road. But, it you know, it is what it is. And you take your loss and and hopefully that, you know, makes the guys hungrier and, and they move on. But I don't there's nothing to worry about there. No, the big thing was how they bounced back against USC again to get four straight set victories and singles and win doubles and. Yeah, this team's fine. I think that's enough on our TCU analysis. For USC, they're nine right now in the rankings. I think they're 10 and five overall on the season. They still have so much Pac-12 play uh, uh, still ahead. They have the Arizona match. They've got Stanford. They've got UCLA again at Cal. I'll tell you what, though. They're a learner TN short. Like, it's just, it. I think that's fair to say. Like, again, that... With Strata, or that, you know, Ludwig is playing four this past weekend. I mean, shout out to Coach Macy. That's just creativity. Um, 
13 sure like the thing is with how the Pac-12 now is they if they run the table in the conference which I still think they're good enough to do because they are still very deep it's just you know again what are the guaranteed points for this team it's a little bit of a journey every time they're competitive everywhere though that's why they're a top 10 team but like they they kind of have to run the table Chris right in the Pac-12 to be top eight like I don't know if they can afford a loss at Stanford or a loss at Arizona or even a loss in the conference tournament, they kind of need it at this point. Yeah, because I mean, it's going to be tough to crack that that top eight without doing that. I mean, there's they've got a they've got a decent gap from nine to ten, but trying to get in that top eight, they're looking at at teams, you know, Georgia or South Carolina. I mean, really Georgia and Virginia are the only two within reach right now. And and Georgia's got some tough matches coming. So that's a team they could get around. But to your point, if they drop the Stanford match or they drop, uh, God forbid, any other match besides that, uh, because that would probably hurt, you know, Arizona, Stanford, the the next two best ranked teams in the Pac-12, they dropped anything besides the, besides those, uh, that would be devastating. It's, it's going to be tough, I think, for them just because there are so many more uh, opportunities for those other schools to get points that actually count for you know bigger point value wins than USC will have. USC is the top team in their conference and they're looking down at like you know Arizona at 18 and as the next best school they can get points against. And they're looking at trying to catch Virginia who's got North Carolina who's who's better than that. You've got Georgia who's got South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State, all Tennessee, all of those teams are b- better than that. So just too many opportunities for those schools to think that it's going to be too easy to get around. They just they need to run the table. Yeah, very well said. And so, yeah, especially with South Carolina getting beat up, it's like, you know, again, South Carolina, Kentucky and Georgia could all get three top eight seeds if they all finish on the pace they're on in conference play. If Tennessee makes a move, who knows? You feel like, again, the SEC, though, can get three top eight. Michigan, Ohio State, with what they did in their non-conference, the Big Ten gets two. Uh, Certainly, the ACC's probably getting one with Virginia. That's six right there off the top of the head. And I didn't even say TCU and Texas. So there's your quick eight. Like, and TCU and Texas are locks, by the way. Those are two. Pencil them in right now. They will be top eight come the NCAA tournament. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting spot right now for this USC team who, you know, again, with every passing day, hopefully Leonard Tien becomes eligible. You do feel like it becomes less and less likely, but I want to rapid fire through some other things that happened in the big 12, because it was a big weekend for the big 12 overall. And it wasn't just at the top of the conference. Obviously TCU, Texas did their thing. And right now, by the way, Baylor is in an absolute battle. They're up three, two right now on Tulsa. I believe it's five all in the third set at for Miladinovic. And I think Velt is either in a third set or he dropped his match in straight. So it's three all. I got to check that out, but absolute battle for the Baylor bears. But look, there were a couple of Ohio state, uh, Ohio state. There were a couple of uh, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma Baylor results. I want to run through. First of all, let's start with Oklahoma. And again, we're going to do these quickly here, Chris four Oh over Tulsa four Oh over middle Tennessee, Oklahoma. Now 10 and seven overall on the year. Here's the thing. You know, Martinez is six and five at the one spot. Hassan seven and one at two, but nine and five overall in the year. Han's been great at 11 and three, but Monsi six and six overall on the year. They're 27 and 15 in doubles, but they've played nine different, uh, 10 different combinations. I still feel like Oklahoma is not nearly as good as they should be on paper, Chris. And with these wins, though, they're going to get in the tournament now. Like this was huge for the Big 12, huge for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, they've got good wins. It's just that, you know, some of they they can play really, really great. And then they just throw some duds in there. But absolutely, they I mean, they have to be a tournament team. I'm not not saying that it's going to happen. I mean, the the problem for them is, is that with what's in the Big 12 for them, right, they could if they could lose to Baylor and Oklahoma State, those are going to be costly losses. Uh, or, or Texas Tech. I mean, any of them. There, obviously, there's no harm in losing to Texas or TCU at this point. But everybody else, 
nobody's ranked particularly high, like outside of those schools, everybody else is, is down a little ways. So, I mean, Texas tech right now being the highest, I believe at, at 31, but that means some, a, a little bit of a deduction. So it, it could get costly for them, but I mean, with what they have on paper on that roster, they've got to be a tournament team. They have to find a way to make it. Yeah, and I think one of the things we knew four of the guys, but senior Justin Schlatiger has been really good this year as well. And he stepped up and he had a big weekend in both of these matches. And look, it was a tough weekend for Middle Tennessee. They drop a match at Oklahoma. They also drop a match at Texas Tech for two. And again, you look at this Texas Tech now uh, team now, Chris, who obviously had coach Danny Whitehead was uh, unfortunately stepping down right before the season. They're 12 and six overall on the year. Texas Tech is right in that tournament hunt right now. You look for them in the rankings, Chris, they're freaking 31. It's like Oklahoma State, who, by the way, also got a a big win here this weekend. Uh, They knocked out Tulane. Baylor, by the way, got a must-have win over SMU, and they kind of need tonight as well. But again, right now, you know Texas and TCU, they're top five in the country. Texas Tech's 31. Oklahoma State's 34. Oklahoma's 39. Baylor's 47. Here's where where we're going to end this topic. Is the Big 12 going 6 for 6? No. Who's get who's left out? Baylor. Really? I mean, they're going to have to do something to to get themselves well, they have in. to beat they have, do they have to beat everyone not named Texas and TCU? If they go 3 and 2 in their conference matches, are they in? Well, you know, I, I take I, I guess I can take that back. They, they've, they've got nothing. They've really only got four wins that are counting for anything right now. So if they can just get anything on paper here, like if they can get two wins, even if two of those wins are, you know, they don't have to beat Texas or TCU. If they can get two wins out of, uh, out of the other three matches. So between Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech in their in conference play, I think I don't know that they even have to win all three of them. They've got to win two of them. I would just, but right now they're obviously of the six. They're they're the least likely. They're the ones with the most pressure on them to do it. I, everybody else right now is sort of in the field, having to work themselves out. Baylor's out, having to work themselves in. Yeah, no, I, it's interesting. Again, six mat, six teams, not a ton of matches. Every match extraordinarily valuable in Big Twelve play. That's enough time though on everything happening in the Big Twelve. Let's move over to a messy, messy SEC. We're going to rapid fire through these results because there were a lot of them to discuss in the Southeast Conference. But obviously, the place we have to start. South Carolina gets upset again. Second loss in the conference now for this South Carolina team as they're knocked off at home against Auburn. Here's the most amazing part. South Carolina took the doubles point. And yes, they were playing without James Story. And obviously, Story's been exceptional for the team this year at the number four single spot. But still, like, you know, they won three first sets. Hool, Thompson, Samuel, they dropped this match 4-3. Tyler Stice with the massive 6-4 third set victory over Samuel. And then freshman Billy Blades for Auburn delivering the goods at 6. He clinches 6-1 in the third over Lucas De Silva. I mean, yes, South Carolina was a man short. But here's the thing. With them losing this match, they now have two losses in conference play. And Chris, just a quick snapshot. George is 6-0, but they've got the massive one. Kentucky coming to Athens this weekend. Florida's five and two, South Carolina five and two, Tennessee four and two. Is the conference going to get three teams in the top eight? Are things wide open enough? Or are things still too messy now? You're going to laugh, but it's very possible they get four. Really? What? Well, uh, so I'll do the. Uh, I'll give you the what if here, and anybody can go do this. Go plug in. Tennessee sweeping the weekend on the road this weekend. And Tennessee, just for the record, who do they have this weekend? They have, um, I don't know who they have. They're on the road. Do they have what? Not Georgia. They have Kentucky yeah, uh, and, and what? Yeah, they've got, uh, they've got, uh, I'm sorry, they're not, they're not both on there. They've got uh, Mississippi State and then at Kentucky. And then I think it's at Kentucky. They've got Mississippi that State and so Kentucky. Weekend. If you yeah. if you basically just go to the what if and plug in, take all the higher seeds except have Tennessee win both their matches, 
They're number eight. And they have come on strong. They got yeah. massive wins this so, past weekend. We're going to talk about them in a second. I over. still think I still think it would be for even if they push their way in, it probably takes one of the SEC folks out. But it's still possible. I mean, you, Texas and TCU are obviously locks. Ohio State has to virtually at this point uh, be a lock with with where they're at and ju- and point just the points they've got. And Michigan is, you know, pretty darn close to a lock as well. So that's four teams that aren't. And so now that means if you want to be, if you, if we want to entertain the idea of four SEC teams, it means Virginia's out, which is possible depending on how the the ACC plays. I don't think it happens. So I think it's, you know, but three absolute possibility, Kentucky, South, South Carolina, even with those couple losses, the losses aren't all that costly. It's more about all the good wins they have. So Kentucky, South Carolina, those two teams should be in now, whether it's uh, a Tennessee or a Georgia uh, as the third, I still, I think, I think you get three for sure. Yeah. All right. Well then with that in mind, give me one take on all of these results. We'll start with that aforementioned Auburn four, three. We've done a lot of South Carolina talk of late, but what was your takeaway from that? Tyler Stice, man. I mean, coming like like Toby Samuel's not losing, and for Tyler Stice to come up big there, that was that, I mean, that was just huge. Samuel had break points to break back for five all. Stice comes up with a couple of big serves. Yeah, look, Auburn's frisky, man. They can beat anyone on the right day. They show that again going on the road to beat South Carolina. Georgia, five two over LSU. Trent Bride keeps getting wins. He's better and better. Quinn gets a three-set win, albeit in a breaker over Latinovich. Perez Pena, another straight set win at six. Georgia's starting to find a match calculus, Chris. I would say it's doubles, two, three, and one more. Yeah, right now. And and you know, and Pena's looking good for them right right yeah. now. Uh so I should say two, three, six, and one more. And sometimes it's doubles, sometimes it's Kreuter, sometimes it's Quinn. Yeah, but their doubles is, I mean, they are, they're, they're looking better in doubles. And yeah, I think we just got to, we've got to catch some, some of the, the bigger competition here and, and see what happens. Yeah. I, again, it's consistent. By the way, LSU solid. Like it's, it's a pretty solid group for Coach Brian here in his first year. Kentucky, 4 3 over Mississippi State, 4 over Mississippi. Yeah, that was a a little scary one for them with Mississippi State. Mississippi State didn't play two of their top three singles players. Uh, and granted, I think it was 4-2 when they clinched. Uh, but that was a tight, that's a tight match to be, to to go 4-3 uh, against Mississippi State without two of their top three guys. So I think that was, pro- that's a little bit concerning, uh, you know, for, for Cedric and Matt Gordon there that, that it was that tight, but Hey, you, you find a way. It doesn't matter. You got to, you got to play the team in front of you. It doesn't matter if they pulled two guys or not. Uh, you you got to beat them. And, and they did. My thing is. Ianni just hasn't played well so far this year. He's just been fine. Like he's played 500. And so, by the way, you're getting some criticism when you say Ohio state top eight, Nathan Campbell, uh, Archit said, are you sure Ohio state's a top eight lock? I agree with you just to oh. address the comments real quick. There is zero chance they're not. Yeah. So sorry, guys. Yeah. They're, they just all the non-conference wins, but no, I mean, again, like looking for this Kentucky team, I think the fact that they were able to get these victories, I loses twice. Like obviously Lapidot's still doing his things. Draxel's back in form. Usually one of the freshmen, which we said was going to be the rest of the peak or weeks plays well on any given day. I don't think Kentucky's found their ceiling yet. That would be my takeaway thus far for this team is I don't see we've seen I don't think we've seen the day where all six guys click in singles and we saw that happen at the NCAA tournament. I do think this team has that sort of ceiling again. It just uh, I haven't quite seen uh, all of that click yet, but we talked about Tennessee a little bit earlier. I mean. Talk about two massive victories, 4-1 over Columbia. They then get the 6-1 win over AM. You know this Tennessee team, which I believe is 14-6 and six overall now, four of their six losses were 4-3. And it's like, you know, again, 4-3 to Wake Forest, 4-3 to Auburn, 4-3 to Georgia. 
I mean, the big thing when I watch this team is, A, Joe Monday is one of the five best players in the country. Uh, He gets big victories this weekend, straight sets over Schachter, uh, was down to Michael Zhang, which is a credit to Michael Zhang. But Bicknell gets a couple of victories. Mitsui back at four is back to being the Mitsui we saw last season. The double switch they made, Harper Monday, Hud Mitsui, they feel like they can win those two flights every time, although Prada and Diaz are getting better at that number three spot. Took them three months. Tennessee, dare we say, Chris, are you ready to say it? Are they back? Yeah, well, I I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still not sure. I think, to me, the swing guy on this team right now is Blaze Bignell. I mean, it's... Oh, it was a. It was just a really slow start for him. And look, we all know he's a better outdoor player than he is indoor player. But it wasn't just that. I mean, there were just too many other things that just weren't clicking for him. And if he's going to produce, I mean, and they've been playing, like you said, all these, all the losses as four three losses, getting the wins they're now getting, and he got a couple wins this weekend. If he's going to be the, you know, the guy that we saw him be two years ago. Yeah, they're going to be really tough to beat because I don't see Monday losing very many matches at all. I don't see Mitsui losing a lot of matches at four if they're going to play him there uh, with Blaze at, at three. And if Blaze is winning, yeah, then they're like, okay, guys, let's I, either doubles or or one other match. Yeah, that's they're they're starting to click. Yeah, well said. Well, let's move on to Florida, who gets two wins here this weekend. The Gators, uh, 6-1 over Auburn. They also get a 6-1 win over Arkansas. 10-7 and overall, number 19 in the country. 5-2 and in conference play, Chris. Yeah, they had the weird loss to Alabama. No doubt about that. But, man, they've played themselves back into top 16 uh, contention. Bonetto's getting healthier. Ned's slowly finding his form at one. I'm starting to buy on the stock of this Florida team. Maybe not this year, but next year, 2024. I like the core they have down in Gainesville. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a good core. I mean, obviously, Nev's not going to be around, uh, yeah. or, or or Lucas Greif, but but, but yeah, but got- Braswell, Olakowski, Tokat, oh, and, and yeah. Arundorn, like that's a good core to build around. Grant, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've absolutely got a, a good core there, and. Yeah, it's sort of a it is sort of a weird resume for them with, you know, losses to Alabama and Mississippi State. But then, you know, that's a after what Auburn did, uh, you know, against South Carolina for them to beat Auburn six one. I mean, three straight set wins, two, three and five. Like they got the job done. Yeah, I just uh, just a great a great win for them there. So, yeah, that's a I think it's. They are probably that that prototypical young team because they are playing a lot of young guys, right? You're playing Tokach, Orlikowski, Braswell, all freshmen. Uh, you know, Benetta, a sophomore, Grant, a guy that hasn't hasn't had a ton of he's been there, but just hasn't hasn't played a lot of singles action. And and you sort of expect the great one match and then oh, not so good the next one. That you that just kind of the growing pains you get out of young guys or guys that haven't played a lot. And yeah. and that's what we're seeing. They've definitely got the talent. Yeah. Well you know you're our senior SEC correspondent, so let's play the game. Top eight, top sixteen in the tournament or not. Other results to note from the SEC LSU four three win over Alabama. Texas AM four three win over Alabama. UCF 5-2 over Arkansas. Tough week for Alabama and Arkansas. But again, Chris, you tell me, in the tournament or not, or top eight seed, Georgia. I mean, that's that's probably the cut line, but I'm going to say yes. All right, we rapid fire. Kentucky. Yes. Florida top 16. No. South Carolina top eight. Yes. So then Tennessee top eight has to be a no, right? Yeah, I think they're going to be a, a non-tile. They'll be a, a nine through sixteen. I think they almost fell into not top sixteen uh, show. They are no, non-top sixteen category. Excuse me, uh, no longer. They are back in the top sixteen hunt, which is uh, very impressive. Again, A and M in the tournament, eleven and eight, but they're back in, right? Yeah, they're in easy. Yeah, Mississippi State top. Oh, Mississippi State top sixteen. Top sixteen. A and M top sixteen. No. Ole Miss in? Yes. Auburn in? Yes. And, and and Auburn right now a top 16. But long term, yes or no? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, that, wow. that, that South Carolina win is just going to age really well for them. All right. Bama into the tournament? No. LSU? That's that's the cut line. I mean, so you know, no Arkansas Vandy and yeah, he's fighting the 500 rule. They're six and 12. They're in trouble. Arkansas. Yeah. Bama, Arkansas, Vandy, uh, I think are all are probably all out barring just they they those. Well, Vandy's out, period. Um, Bama and Arkansas would need to come up with something huge down the stretch uh, in the SEC or big tournament win. LSU is probably the bubble team right now. I mean, they are. Uh, they are the probably the number, and so for them, they're a year away. They're a year away. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I mean when you're when if you're the bubble, it's not like you're, you're expecting to do big things if you make the tournament. But I think I think they are going to be really really close, and they're just going to need a good you know they're going to need a good win in the SEC tournament in all likelihood. They've still got chances. I mean they've got they they get Auburn at home. That's a that's a good chance for a big upset for them. They've still got a not I think a non-conference match with Tulane that would provide some points. So uh and then they'll get points for wins if they can win, but their road matches at Arkansas, at Ole Miss, those would both give decent points. I think though, I think they find a way and and they probably make it. Yeah. All right. Well, there you heard it from our senior SEC correspondent, Chris Talioris. Now, let's move over to the ACC because here's the exercise I want to do. We're not going to go over every result that we saw for all these teams because there was a lot of ACC action last week. Most of the top seeds held firm. Now, we will spend a second on that NC State-Louisville match. Louisville coming back, sweeping the top three, straight set win at six. They earn a 4-3 win to end NC State's undefeated run in conference play. But here's the question I want to ask you. Who's the second best team? Who's the third best team in the ACC? Because we know Virginia is the clear-cut number one. They're undefeated again in conference play. They've been Pushed, but not tested so far. And they've earned that right. Here's the thing. Outside of that right now, you look at the current ITA rankings. North Carolina's 13. Wake is 16. Florida State is 17. Duke right now at 21. NC State at 23. I think those are the five teams who are in a tier of their own in the ACC, who you'd say you all have a shot at getting a top 16 seed. Now, how easy will that be with the SEC congestion at the top? Will there be room for more than three? I don't know if there will be. I think the ACC gets three top 16 seeds. I think Virginia is a lock. And I ask you, Chris, start with one team of the next of the group. Who is your next pick to say they're a lock to be top 16 and why? North Carolina. Uh, I just think they're – I think they're just still – a little step above the rest of the that group that's chasing. I mean, obviously everyone's chasing Virginia, but I feel like like they've got the edge there. Um, they do have probably a little more work uh, to do because Wake's got Wake's actually got more more depth, more quality in the depth of their wins. But uh, I still think North Carolina is the second best team. They have a win over Florida. They have a win over Harvard. They have uh, a win now. Uh, they've only dropped one match in conference play. They're 6-1 and one overall. Their losses to UVA. Here's the thing, by the way. They still have to play NC State, Wake Forest, Duke, and Florida State. So a lot of big ones left on the schedule. I'll also say... They haven't had Cernok that much. He's been in and out with some injuries. Ten and uh, nine and five at the one spot. Segerman, uh, eight and five overall in the year in dual match play. That they ha- they've been winning without those guys. That Luke Jansen has looked so good at the number three spot. Uh, Carl Polding has fit in like a hand in a glove on this UNC campus. And you know, again, they haven't had Zap that much either. But they're finding ways at the number six spot. Twelve and four overall. Obviously, with Trip Phillips as your coach, you're always going to be good at doubles. I agree with you. The other thing, by the way, NC State, Wake Forest, Duke, Florida State, all those matches in Chapel Hill for UNC. So I agree. I think they have to be the clear-cut number two team. The rankings agree with you as well. They're currently number 13 overall. Here's the fascinating question. Who's your third, Chris? Because I don't I don't I I have an inclination 
that I think is going to surprise you. But I'm curious what you would pick. And again, the remaining teams, Duke, who's six and one in conference play, their only loss is Virginia. Wakes five and one in conference play. Their only loss is Florida State. Florida State is three and two in conference play. Their losses are NC State and Virginia. NC State five and one. Their only loss is Louisville. All these teams pretty much of this five sum, North Carolina, Duke, Wake, NC State, Florida State, all but Florida State really has to play one another. Florida State just Duke and UNC left. So again, it's a fascinating proposition. Five top 25 teams. I think we agree UNC's pretty clearly top 16. Who's three on your list? Now, are you asking in, of where they're going to finish in the rankings or yes. just who? Because no, I, both, both, both. Okay. So I, I, I honestly think the team that's got the best chance to finish third in the rankings for the host spot is probably Wake Forest. Uh, and that's strictly from a, a, you know, a math perspective, because the loss to Virginia is going to hurt almost nothing, assuming that they lose the match. Right. But, <laughs> and they've got some big chances for wins, but that's not the team I'm going to go with. I, I, if you're asking me, I would lean to either saying the winner of Duke, Florida state, or I'm just going to say outright. I think it's Duke. So. This is one of those moments where I'm reminded how much time we spend with one another because the answer is so fucking clearly Duke. Like I couldn't agree with you more. And the thing we have talked about least that we should be talking about way more. Pedro Rodinas is like 15 and one at the two and three spots this year. He might just be the best freshman in the country. And you throw him, Johnson, Zhang. That is a damn good top three. And I think the Krugs have been playing well. Michael Heller's there in a pinch. They play pretty solid doubles this season down at Duke. This Duke team's good. And you know what they've been doing, Chris, very quietly? They've been beating who they've sp- supposed to beat. They go beat Louisville. They go beat Notre Dame. You know, this weekend, they go beat Georgia Tech 6-1. And, you know, that's with Martin beating Johns. But Rodinus gives uh, gives Martin – who's Martin play doubles with? The other one. McDaniel. Uh, he gave McDaniel the business at two. A lot of help you were there, Chris. Thanks. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. It's, you're still thinking about the car. Um, but, like, the Krugs, you know, again, they were dominant as well. Duke is fucking good this year, Chris. Like we have not – like after a bad national indoor weekend, just a bad first match because I know they bounced back to beat Auburn. But a bad first match, they found their form. Like this Duke team is very good. Let me ask you this though. Who's the second highest ranked player in the ACC right now? We know ACC Antoine Cornet Chauving is one. Can you guess who's two? In the actual rankings? Yeah, in the singles rankings right now. Who's the second highest ranked singles player? Because the answer John. will shock Garrett Johns. Melios Ifstafiu, who's currently really? 11th. Yeah, he's second highest ranked uh, wow. player in the ACC. Garrett Johns is at 17. I know, that surprised me too. And I will say this. I really like watching NC State play. Like, they've got a lot of good guys everywhere. I, I'm blanking on who the lefty is at four of Ansambik, who's playing really good ball here this year. Like, everyone's slowly rounding into form for that NC State team. I think they're the deepest of this group. But I really love uh, – of the remaining four, I think UNC's the actual deepest. I would then put NC State as the second deepest. Florida State's got weird pieces. I just don't get how it fits. I see the same thing with Wake, by the way. We've been saying that for seven years, like since the Free Socos days. It's been Tachi, Maroney, Sid the Man. Like sometimes, you know, it turns out Kungu is still alive. And who knows? Maybe he's still on the roster this year and we're going to see him come May. Um, God, we haven't made a good Rizard Kungu joke in a while. So I'm glad he's got that with in. Yeah, man. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I agree. Like, here's the crux of it. And they still have NC State, Wake Forest. Who buy a, U, a UNC and Florida State and all but that UNC match three of the four at home at for home. Duke. Yeah, Duke's. I I think they're going to get the third top sixteen, Chris. And I don't. And that we agree means it's not a hot take. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. A, it's probably not a hot take. But like you said, they've got the big matches outside of the North Carolina match. They've got everything else 
at home. So, a, you know, so big matches coming with Wake Forest and NC State coming in. So, I mean, that that's going to tell a lot. But then, you know, the 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 regular season finale, Florida State uh, at Duke, that that's going to that's going to be probably big even for ACC conference tournament seating. Uh, and I and that could go a long way to determining who is going to be that third team to probably try to grab uh, a top 16 seed. It's very clearly the best group since Cunha, Carlton to here, like since those early 2010s. I mean, this group is good and I'm looking forward to see them through postseason play. I want to see them go on a road in a sweet 16 and play a TCU or play a Texas and just see how they hold up. Because I think this group is good enough to do some damage on the right day. And again, they played really well this weekend. Yeah, I, I don't like that we agree, but those would be your two guesses. If they're going to get three top 16s, Virginia, UNC, and we both agree, Duke, that's scary. Sorry, Duke, you're not getting a top 16. Hate to tell you, you do, that's a massive yeah, jinx. I, I think the road, you know, the on the road for for a round, you know, against the top 16 is rough for them. They're, we know, I, I think you and I are probably in line. The bottom of the lineup is playing better now than it probably has all year, but they're still like, doubles in their top three and then you just don't know where out of four five and six you know whether they're going to need one of them two of them and it gets questionable uh you know some of the teams that are just a little ahead of them are super solid at four or five spots where we're looking at three here and and i think that's the question mark but it, definitely they're still capable of being a top 16 all right. I like it. Well, then with that in mind, let's run through the rest of the results we saw on the weekend. Again, you get one sentence of a take. Ohio State goes on the road, 4-0 over Illinois, 4-1 over Northwestern. I mean, solid. It's not in Columbus, so so it's good. Uh, they, I expected them to win, but it was pretty convincing. 4-0 over Illinois was the particularly impressive one. Nebraska, Wisconsin, 5-2 wins over Michigan State. How likely is it those two teams can get into the NCAA tournament? Any chance, or do they have to go beat a Northwestern, Illinois, Michigan, or Ohio State? With that For Nebraska and... Wisco. And Wisconsin? I think State got eliminated with these losses. Yeah, Michigan State's out. Um, I don't like I don't like Wisconsin's chances. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna need a. They gave Michigan good, a scare this weekend. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna need to pull something off. Uh, Nebraska actually is their their bubble right now, so I think it's I think there's a good chance for them uh, if they can come up with another you know another win to to give points to them. And they've even got the good thing for them is. Even the ninth win for them that's not counting yet, but will by the time the NCAA tournament selection comes around, they've already got decent points there. So they're in good shape. Wisconsin doesn't even have nine wins, so they need a lot of help, uh, much more likely for Nebraska. I'm not saying others don't work hard. No one works harder than Sean Mamie. And it's so great to see his Nebraska program has success because, again, blood, sweat, tears. So shout out to Sean. Shout out to Danny, too. That's a really solid Wisconsin squad. I, again, actually, yeah, they've got, I mean, they've got upside when I say that they've got nothing out there. That just means any points move them up. So there's a chance, but they're both going to need, you know, what they really, the, the odds of beating in Ohio State or Michigan aren't great. No, they but, need to beat Illinois or Northwestern. But an Illinois or Northwestern win for them would be huge. Yeah, and they did it last year, so it's at least possible. All right, UVA 5-2 over Harvard. One sentence, go. I just, I mean, it's what we expect. They're coming around. Yeah, Virginia's back. Uh, UCSB, 26th, I want to say, in the rankings. Shout out to Max Kohler, my guy, um, and the entire team as well. 4-3 over Cal Pepperdine also gets a 4-3 win over Cal. That's the first blink for Coach Quintus' Cal Bears team, which has been really good. But those are just good matches, Chris. Yeah, I mean, they've got uh, – they've always made good use of the portal. They've got some really good guys there, uh, you know, Philip Jordan uh, and, and a couple others that they, they've transferred. But, yeah, 4-3 – that 4-3 win over Cal was, was huge for them. Uh, they're VCU. solidly in the field. VCU 4-2 over Cornell. A little, I mean, I, I, that great win for VCU. A little surprising for me, honestly. I, th I kind of thought Cornell might pull that off. So, absolutely great win for VCU. They're solidly in the field. Washington four three over Utah. Utah four one over Oregon. Disappointing loss for Utah against Washington. A huge win for Washington. I mean, for for 
for Raheem and, 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 and Mitch Stewart there, who, you know, going that played there. Uh, yeah. I mean, absolutely a, a great win for them, a much needed win to keep, you know, any hopes alive for them uh, of making the tournament. They're sort of back in the, in the bubble discussion, they're outside, but they're in, they're in reach now. Very well said. Currently sitting at number 48 Tulane up to number 43, four, two win over Tulsa. I think for me, the take on that, I mean, Tulane, we knew had been coming on. They had one little, uh, you know, hiccup uh, in there against, against San Diego, but they had been coming on. I'm just, I was just a little disappointed in Tulsa. Now I know you're telling us, uh, you know, how well they're playing in the, in the Baylor match that may or may not be over. At Baylor this just won by the okay. way. Baylor did take the win, which God did they need it. And Hey, now you're back in the tournament hunt. Like they really yeah. are. And, and Tulsa just, I mean, my take is Tulsa just hasn't found the way, you know, th- they seem to just keep coming up on the short end of all of these matches, a tough year for them. Yeah. Last one, USF four, three over FAU. Eh, I mean, no bulls. That's yeah. I figure that's what you're going to say. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have much to say about that one. Yeah. All right. Well then with all that in mind, folks, that's your past week in the division one men's college tennis world. Of course we did have an upset. So I imagine we have some movement in our Crack Rackets rankings, and we'll unveil those for you all now. Indeed, a new number one for the first time this season. Texas ascends to the number one spot off of victories over USC and TCU. Now, TCU doesn't drop far. They're at two. Ohio State, Michigan holding firm at three and four. Kentucky, five. Welcome back to the top six. Virginia, South Carolina seven, Georgia eight, USC nine, UNC 10. This looks exactly like my rankings, Chris. The only difference being I had Tennessee in the 10 spot, just coming off of their wins over Columbia and AM. But I'm fine with UNC 10, and I feel good about directionally about these rankings. If those were my top eight seeds and the season ended right now, that would work for me. Yeah, I, I have no issues, but the top seven are exactly my top seven. And then I just sort of have eight, nine, ten, ju- same three teams, but jumbled in a different order. Yeah, here's the real interesting thing. And I had this conversation with Jay on the women's side. It really is down 18 teams for the 16 host sites. Like it's really down to 18 teams. The men's side still feels wide open like USC. They're probably a lock, but not a lock of locks. You know, Columbia, Harvard, you feel like one of those for sure is going to get it. Mississippi State, Tennessee, Auburn, Florida, all still alive in the mix. You know, we just had the ACC discussion. You throw in teams like Arizona, Stanford, Illinois on the outskirts of that conversation. And their Georgia win continues to age better and better. I don't know. Where are we at? Like 24 teams for those top 16 spots? Like it doesn't feel like we can narrow it down quite yet. Yeah, I feel like I probably go, I probably go about 22 or so. I think I go down to around, uh, I'll go down to Duke at 21. I say we go to 23 in NC State. That feels about right. Well, that what I was going to say is I'll go as you as you interrupted my right when I was about to get there. I'll go to Duke at 21 and then add NC State. Uh, no, don't, don't don't you dare disrespect Illinois like that. I I don't think Illinois gets there. I don't think A and M gets there, and I don't think Northwestern gets there. But there's just too much meat on the bone left possible for NC State to rule them out. the The problem with the Illinois Northwestern deal, right, is they have to beat either Michigan or Ohio State, State right? And yeah, they already lost to Ohio State. Okay, I accept that the premise of that argument, even if I disagree with the assessment, because I think we would both agree Illinois has the ceiling of a top sixteen team. We saw that at the indoors, no doubt. Um, but okay, I accept your premise. Yeah, we'll say 22 or 23 for 16 spots. That feels like a good place to be as we turn the calendar towards April. And as we turn that calendar quickly, just so you know, computer rankings, we've referred to them a lot. Texas 1, Ohio State 2, TCU down to 3, Kentucky 4, Michigan 5, South Carolina 6, Virginia 7, Georgia 8, USC 9, Columbia 10. Let's look ahead, though, to the week ahead. And we've alluded to some of these matches, but Chris, it's spicy. I have four matches or four sets of matches I consider tier one caliber, which means clear your schedule, cancel your date. Sorry, 
wife, sorry, significant other. We're not hanging out. I got to watch matches. Of these four trips, what entertains you the most? You can only pick one. And you're not allowed to pick Kentucky, Georgia, Kentucky at Tennessee, because we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) USC at Arizona, the NC State wake trip to UNC, or the NC State wake trip to Duke. You can only follow one closely. What are you picking and why? And uh, is USC Arizona tier one worthy? Because I think it is. I was going to say the the one I'm following is, is USC Arizona, just because a it's going to be a great match. B it has to be the chippiest of all of the matches. A hundred percent. It's going to get feisty. It's going to get. I mean, again, there's history between these two groups, and you just can't fake that. Now, look, Kentucky, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee. I mean, if Tennessee's Tennessee's as good as they as they have looked over the past month, they have again they have lost four four three matches. Eventually, something breaks their way. I'll tell you what, if they beat Kentucky, now four teams have two losses in SEC play, and if Kentucky beats Georgia, again it's just chaos continuing in the SEC. What's Kentucky's record this weekend? Man, that's. It's just it's too easy to say one and one for them to go on the road and win both of those. I don't know. uh, I honestly don't know how they do it. And I've been so good and so kind to Kentucky all year that I'm going to have to catch flack for this. I'm going zero and two. Wow. I mean, mean, on the road in the SEC is just, it's, it's no joke. I mean, let's do some in-depth analysis because we are capable of this instead of just surface level swing matchup in Georgia, Kentucky. Is it lop it up versus bride at three? Or is is it just that simple? I mean, that, that's certainly going to be a big match. Uh, And that, I think, I think Kentucky's gotta win uh, that match. I kind of like, the way that things have been going, you've got to favor Georgia in doubles. Um, and I mean, how good is like Quinn Draxel going to be? Uh, I mean, Freud that's a good match. Freuder body, two guys who started out on fire and have cooled off a little bit. But, and, but to your point, like, like I, any hasn't been great, but he's also, yeah, he's one of those he guys. Can win any that, match if he yeah. catches fire. Yeah, he's. We know the talent is there, and I think I I think it's just that. Like if if he's if he really gets into it, he could just be like he can beat anyone, and so that's going to be that's going to be a huge match for me. I don't know. I'm I the thing though that's got me a little bit worried about Kentucky coming down the stretch right now is even though I love Cosne and I love the upside in weeks, the production recently hasn't been there. And so I think that's going to be – and now that you're going on the road for two of the biggest teams. MPP, the contrast there, oh, that's good. Yeah, I I mean that's – it's just going to – it's going to be – It's obviously it's a tough match, but the crowd – I mean you can only imagine what the crowd in Athens is going to be like. And you've got got the the two freshmen at at five and six for for Kentucky – playing i know they've played some they've won road matches but look winning that match indoors at louisville there's like 12 fans uh i mean there's nowhere to sit in there it's not gonna you know even if they had it packed there's just bleachers on the side of an indoor court that's all you get athens is gonna have you know 500 people or more packed in the stands it's gonna be crazy i think it's it's gonna be a tough a tough place to go so if they pull it off awesome but i i've I mean, I clearly they've got to be the underdog on the road. Yeah, I mean, look, they're both really good matches. Mitsui body the next day, Monday, Quinn. I mean, Ethan Quinn's going to get his money's worth here this weekend, taking on Traxel and Monday. Again, give me straight predictions the rest of the way. USC at Arizona. USC. NC State, Wake Forest. Or what's UNC's record at home against Wake and, and, uh, and NC State? 2-0. Duke versus NC State and Wake? Um, one and one. Who wins? <sighs> Say it. I think NC State beats them. All right. South Carolina at Ole Miss? Oh, South Carolina. Upset alert? 
No. Nah. Upset alert. I mean, all this is we. I've said it a million times. It's a hard place to play, but my goodness, uh, South Carolina's. They've got to. They've got to get it back on the on the right track here. Uh, they've got that's the match. They win. Bulldogs at Tennessee. Tennessee. Florida at A and M. A and M. That match is going to be pretty feisty. That's going to be a great match. But again, A&M, that's a good home court advantage for A&M. It's obviously not a short trip for Florida. Um, yeah, and a lot of young guys. So I'll, I'll, I'll lean the home team. Yeah, and there are a lot of other good ones. Oklahoma's in Oklahoma State make their Texas TCU trip. UCLA's also got a critical Arizona swing. Stanford at Utah, that screams a little upset alert. Cal at Utah as well. Michigan versus Michigan State. If you get Styler versus Ozan, I mean, hello. Uh, Notre Dame at Louisville. You know, again, Clemson at Miami has all sorts of NCAA implications. A lot of good stuff on the schedule this week, folks. And, of course, we will be back next week to break it all down once again as we continue to get excited for the home stretch of this 2023 college tennis season. With all of that said, of course, a shout-out to our dear friends at LS for their continued support of this show day in, day out. A shout-out to all of you fans as well, whether it be our shit. I saw Nathan, I saw Scotty B, all the usual cast of characters. We appreciate all of you who tune in live, all of you who make covering college tennis such a joy for us here at Cracked Rackets. With all that said, before we wrap today's show, Chris Hallioris, any final thoughts? I'll give you to a couple, I think, that are going to be interesting that we weren't that aren't on our, you know, top 20 watch, but they're good bubble matches for the weekend. Tulane SMU. Uh, that's my list. Yeah, that's a that's a, a right in their bubble match. Um, Middle Tennessee at Memphis. Yeah, uh, UCF at Memphis. Uh, UCF, you know, trying to, you know, they're up to 51 now trying to climb in there. Memphis is in right now. And then that UCLA, Arizona State, both teams just inside, but easily like Arizona State's right inside the bubble. So that to me is another one. And then SMU, USF. The, I mean, those that conference has a bunch of teams with with Tulane, SMU, USF, UCF, Memphis. They're all all gathering right around that bubble number. So those are all big matches. Yeah, I love to hear it. And again, we'll have coverage of all of it Friday, SEC. Uh, cross-court cast available on ESPN and SEC Network Plus. We've got our ACC uh, cast on Friday and Sunday, Big Ten on Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel as well. A shout-out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who makes it all happen. But with all that said, again, it's a busy week, and as we learned on this episode, Chris Hallioris isn't going anywhere. He doesn't have a car, so he'll be tuned in to all the action. I'll be tuned in to all the action. We're sure all of you college tennis fans will be as well, and we will see you next week here on this show to break it all down. With all of that said, for the fantastic professor, lean, mean, vegan machine, Chris Hallioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at LS, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks as always, everyone. Thank you.